Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we're going to kind of keep with the theme from last week, and we're going to talk a little bit more with another communications expert, because if you're an entrepreneur, communicating is so important. It's just, I cannot say it enough that so many people just don't pay attention to how they communicate with others, either one-on-one, in large groups, online, and when we don't pay attention to it, we're allowing something else to set our reputation. But if we're paying attention to how we're communicating... I believe we're going to succeed more. So today, I have my friend Steve Hughes here on the show. And Steve, I am so glad. I've wanted to have you on this show like since the beginning. Steve and I both earned the Certified Speaking Professional designation at the same time. And when you uh, go through uh, the process of getting, it's a lot of paperwork. You have to have been in the business between five or 10 years. You have to have had a certain level of, of expectation. So right off the bat, you kind of find camaraderie with somebody. And that day that we were awarded our CSPs, Steve and I were talking and I made some comment about, you know, something, somehow I said something about being in a fraternity in college. And he said, oh, so was I. And so often when somebody says that, you ask them, oh, what house were you in? And they'll tell you. And of course, they were at a different university and they're in a different fraternity and you go, oh, and you tell them what you did and that's it. In Steve's case, when I asked him what house he was in, it was the same fraternity I was in and Steve and I are the same age. And so we actually were at different colleges, but we went through kind of the same era of being in a fraternity together. So Steve is a proud member of Beta Theta Pi, as am I. And so ever since then, I've wanted to have him as a guest on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, because how cool is it to have one of your fraternity brothers here on my podcast? So Steve, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. And I got to just chime in to say, it started off with a, you show me yours, I'll show you mine. <laughs> and you were showing me your tattoo, and it was actually our one of our key beta words. I forgot so. about that. I showed you the tattoo and you looked at me and said, are you a beta? That's right. That's actually a better story. And that's what happened. So that's kind of fun. So yeah. So and for the record, my tattoo is on my ankle. If you wonder what I was showing him. Yeah, he, he wanted to get a giant dragon on his chest, but he settled for a small word on his ankle. Yeah, no, I did not get a giant dragon, although I have a buddy who has a giant dragon on his calf, and I laugh like when I see him in the summer around Austin, he's wearing shorts. It's like, I wonder if you rethink having a giant dragon on your calf like that. <laughs> you have to. <laughs> when, you're, when you're 50 years old. Exactly. So, Steve, I gave a little bit of a background of what you do, and you're an expert in helping people communicate better, but can you tell everybody a little bit about your business? Yeah, so basically, if you met me on a plane and you say, hey, what do you do? I would say, I help people look and sound smart when they talk. I then shut up, and they usually ask some follow-up question, and we take it from there. And I really try to make it about them. But when I talk in generalities, I try to t- match people who are professionals, you know, business folks, but also some education, who are they're smart, they're good at what they do, they're really just rocking and rolling, but they're not that adept or that effective at telling other people what they do, or certainly in the area of business development, or even if they'd be a little salesy, they're they not that good. So that's where I kind of step in and help out with presentation, trainings, webinars, seminars, etc. So Steve, how long have you been doing this? Did you come right out of school as a, as a communication expert, or did you have like a more traditional job? No, I did. I came out, I, so my 
I taught high school history. I sold computers. I painted houses, and then I got an MBA. Wow! How about that? God, God and love I, you. Uh, God love you on all those accounts. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Someone had to do it. If I could combine them all, that'd be fantastic. Then I I worked in advertising and PR for about a decade. And what I did notice there, there were some men and women who just every time they stood up or just they took the floor and said, "Hey, what do you think, Bob?" And then the person would talk, and it just the room would go go silent. And I thought, okay, what is that guy, that gal doing? that everybody else isn't doing because um, sometimes they're smarter. I'll give them that. But a lot of times they're not necessarily smarter. They just say it better. And so I started to look at that and that's kind of what's propelled in, in part what propelled me to do what I'm doing now. Well, whenever I have the opportunity to sort of coach or consult with sort of younger professionals, one of the things I tell them is learn how to speak well because yeah. you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. But if you can clearly and concisely express your ideas, people are going to assume that you're a lot smarter than somebody else. And, and we see this when we look at politics, right? The people oh. who can clearly and concisely who are running for president or any other office, if they can clearly and concisely express themselves, people tend to assume they're just so much smarter. And the inverse is actually true that if people who can't speak well, they say, well, they're just not as smart as some of the other candidates. That is spot on. And it's amazing. Even just in this election cycle, again, without talking about specifics, they'll say, okay, candidate X, I can tell you exactly what they stand for. Candidate Y, I can't. And you wonder why candidate X is doing better. You know, big surprise. Right. So so what led you then? You, you were noticing that some people were better communicators, and I assume that you yourself had studied it and become quite the communicator because I've seen you speak, and you're fantastic. So uh, what okay. made you say, I'm going to leave the PR and advertising world, and I'm going to go do my own thing? Here is the deal. And I was over – it was over a plate of Easter ham with my brother-in-law who – was talking to me and the quick background i've always been kind of a yuck it up i try to be a funny guy class clown in high school that sort of thing but never found a way to how can i make money at that you know um that's just a little side business but he said hey steve if you if you're a man if you'll step up and and put on your big boy pants i will totally totally respect you in fact i dare you to do some stand-up comedy and if and if you don't do it then i think you're a chump so with that dare basically over a decade ago i said okay i'll do it and, of course, I don't like to brag, but for that first night at the Comedy Forum out in St. Louis, for those five minutes I was on stage, I sucked. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, and actually, and everyone, you, you do the research, almost everybody, with rare exceptions like Chris Rock and a few others, everyone sucks at, at stand-up comedy. Jay Leno, you know, bombed for a year. But I didn't give up. I kept doing it just for fun on the side. Got in touch with a guy in California who had written several books on it. So, he, Tom, you're huge on networking. This is this is my my entire career now is speaking is solely due to networking. So here's the deal: he wrote a few books on how to become a better comedian, and I read them, I, I absorbed them, I emailed them, we developed a friendship, and then he said, "Hey, what do you do for a living?" And I said, "Well, I'm in advertising and PR, but I'd love to be doing something else, kind of." And he said, well, I want to put on some comedy seminars in non-comedy locations, you know, because you can imagine, Tom and, and audience, that if you're in New York, L.A., Chicago, you know, San Fran, a few of those bigger places, you can, you can make it in comedy. You, know, you can have a career. But if you're in St. Louis, Milwaukee, you know, Kansas City, Cleveland, good luck. So we thought we put on these seminars around the country to help people learn how to make money at, at – in comedy, not just at comedy clubs, but at, say, an IBM sales meeting or an after-dinner speech and become a humorist, etc. We put on the first one in St. Louis in June of, I believe, 04. We made $9 profit. 
<laughs> so I retired. And um, no, so uh, but and I thought that was it. We we thought it's 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 a tough business to get into, but a friend of mine, Mr. Smarty Pants, Harvard Business or Harvard Law School attorney up in Chicago said, "Hey, I heard about your comedy seminar. Could you come up here to our firm and put it on for our attorneys because we're really bad and boring speakers?" I said, "Oh, okay. Well, how would that work?" And he said, "We'd pay you X, and it was very nice." We said, "We'd fly you up here, put in a nice hotel, etc." I did it. I came back home. I literally got off the plane and walked up to my wife and I said, I think what I just did is a job. And she said, what do you mean? I said, I think you, you can do that. If I did enough of these back to back to back, I could put food on the table and just have an amazing career. She kind of laughed, uh, almost an uncomfortable laugh. I'm sure, Tom, you've had those conversations. Like, Haha, that's really fun. Um, you know, no benefits or anything. And then sure enough, uh, six months later, I kind of just took a, 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 with one client, I just jumped out and... Um, Started, you know, put up my website and started going for it. So how long ago was that? That was 2005, January 3rd, but who's counting? Wow, so you've just crossed that 10-year that milestone. Exactly, yeah. It was right around that time that I got the CSP a year, a year prior, so. So I am, I am about to cross the seven-year milestone of working for myself. And I'll tell you, there's, there's some pride that comes with being able to make it five, seven, ten years because so many people aren't able to, to put food on the table for that long with the solo business. Absolutely. Yeah, it's huge. So you've been and, doing you – know, oh, go ahead. go ahead. I would say, you know, people ask me – in fact, I was just at a wedding last night and, uh, you know, at the reception. And someone said, oh, I always want to start this business. And they said, how would you do it? And I said, you know what? I said, I just wish more people would kind of go for it because when people would ask me and say, you're so courageous. I'm sure, Tom, you've heard people say it to you like, oh, wow, it was really risky. Well, it was. But you know what? Let's say it just, it just went nowhere. You, you floundered and it just was – you stunk up the joint for a year, a couple of years. I'd go out and get another job. You know, I'd go back. I'd figure something out, but I'd go get another job. But I'd, I'd rather do that than simply woulda, coulda, shoulda. You know, I was I was thinking the the quote. It's attributed to Mark Twain. I don't know if he said it, but I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there. You know, Mark Twain said, 20 years from now, you'd be a lot more upset by the things you didn't do than by the things you did do." And uh, so that's kind of been my philosophy. Well, I think that th- that last couple sentences probably, you know, got a couple people kind of stirring in their seat because I can totally relate to that. I mean, I was the person who, as I got older, I'd wanted to have my own thing. And I wasn't sure what it was going to be. I didn't know it was going to be exactly what I do now. But I right. had this desire that, that I could do something. I could make this happen. And I didn't do it and didn't do it. And what, what ended up happening is I got older, as I got over 40, I started to think, wow, am I going to be that person who looks back and say, would, say, woulda, coulda, shoulda. And yeah. then, then the Great Recession hit and I got laid off and there were no jobs for, you know, marketing guys in services businesses. And I kind of had to start. And the thought was, there's not going to be jobs for two years. And in two years, we'll decide. And in two years, I was making what I made in corporate America and then, you know, creeping it up from there. So it's, you know, I never looked back, but I'm glad that I was forced to be brave. Oh, that's awesome. In fact, I was doing the math in my head that, yeah, you started in the Great Recession. That had to be scary because that was that was a couple tough years for me. Um, you know, speaking wise, but yeah, in fact, know, I you st- made it. I did. I was laid off on April 1st, 2009. Now, arguably, arguably, if you go back and look, April of 2009 was the bottom of the bottom. And oh. I started, but it was because I didn't have any money. I didn't have any business. I had been doing this part time speaking here and there. But uh, what happened was, is that 
a lot of associations and businesses couldn't afford the speakers they had been having. So yeah. they were looking for somebody and I was like, what, how much money you got? Oh, I'll do it for that. And they right. were like, oh, would you really do it for that? Well, yeah, because that's more than I've ever been paid to do it before. So right. I actually sort of lucked out because I think if I had started in a more robust time, it would have been harder to break in. That's actually, I, that's cool. I did not think about that for you. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, serendipity sort of worked in my, to my advantage. So, Steve, you've been doing this for 10 years. What yeah. is it that you absolutely love about the life of a solopreneur? I absolutely love the fact that I am the king. I am the adjudicator. I'm everything. I, I'm the center of it all. So I can decide when I work, how much, how little. I can attend any one of my kids, just about my kids' uh, cheerleading competitions or tennis matches or plays or whatever. And, and I love that freedom. And I also love the, the responsibility that I have a great year. It's all on me. I have a bad year. It's all on me. I, I look back over my life. I ran cross country. Yes, it was a team sport, but it's kind of individual. I played tennis, individual sport. I had my own lawn cutting business all through high school. That's an individual deal. So I kind of, it's in my blood. My dad was an entrepreneur. My grandfather was an entrepreneur. And so I just, I just love the fact that it's all on me and while I don't get a check every 15th and the 30th of the month, which is frankly sometimes upsetting, but I love every other piece of it. So in addition to not having a steady, steady paycheck, is there anything else that you don't love so much about working for yourself? I mean, we always hear from people and they go, oh, I love everything about it. And I want to go, no. oh, come on. Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, well, a couple of, yes. So the, the other thing is I'm very, I'm a social guy. I know you are too. I'm very extroverted. So it's a very lonely business. A lot of hours on the plane by yourself in a hotel by yourself working like, you know, just, just two days ago on Friday, it was just an office day for me. And it was just emails and, and trying to make phone calls and writing and just kind of by myself, which is so not my thing. But I do all of that stuff. I put in all that effort so that it can let me go out and meet people and hobnob and be on stage. So that, you know, that, that's the trade-off as well. So, Steve, I've got some more questions for you. But first, I've got to thank the sponsor of this show. This episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with all the equipment, training, and guidance to make sure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing cool people like Steve Hughes. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and see the offer that they have for this audience. They have been a great partner for me to work with. And as I said in the previous episode, all you have to do is call them and they're going to answer all of your questions. So Steve... What advice do you have for people who want to start their own business? You said earlier, you told someone last night, I just wish people would do it. In addition yeah. to just do it, what else, what else do you have to tell people who want to go and chase their dream? I'd say a couple of things. One, to definitely have a plan. I mean, have a plan of what you're going to do, what problem you solve. I and mean, a lot of people say, I have a passion to do this. And I think, well, will someone pay you for it? Uh, is there a market for it? You've got to have that kind of stuff lined out, certainly. And then I also say to people, Surround yourself. I know as Tom has, as I, I've tried to do, surround yourself with people who can cheer you on, get a mastermind group together, um, use your network like nobody's business to, to heck, ask for favors, ask how you can help them out, um, you know, use that mutually beneficial relationship going forward. And then also have, I would say to people, have also a, a, a go, no-go or, or, or a 
when should you quit if it's not working? You know, so say to yourself or your partner or spouse, hey, you know what? Give me 18 months. Give me till the end of the year. Give me till whatever. And if it's rocking, great. If not, then objectively, based on the numbers, I got to do something else. So you said that your whole business got started from reaching out to people and sort of just, you know, accidentally networking your way into opportunity. How important do you think networking really is and, and connecting with people? How important do you think that really is for entrepreneurs? It, I can't underscore how important it is. The, the first three, well, besides that buddy of mine from actually a high school buddy of mine was one of my best friends who said, hey, come up to our law firm. I then reached out to two other friends from high school, two other calls. One was a medium friend, like we kind of just kind of knew each other. The other guy, we, we barely spoke, you know, three words together over four years. But, but just the fact that we said, hey, Rick, you know, it's Steve, let's get together, have a cup of coffee. I find the more you put yourself out there, and, and I'm always trying to make myself available and helpful to them, what can I do for you? At the same time, I'll say, hey, can you help me out here? And it's just been unbelievable. And then honestly, meeting people at, at NSA who show you their tattoos, um, <laughs> you know, in fact, in a true story, folks, you know, Tom, I, my wife had a, a medical scare. She's great now, but a couple of years ago, she had a medical scare, and um, I had to cancel a whole month's worth of, of, um, of speaking engagements. And Tom was able to step up and do one of my gigs that, that was, un, you know, we couldn't cancel it. It was already, you know, brochures have been printed, et cetera. So the fact that Tom and I had a relationship, and we have similar but not exactly type of uh, speaking topics, that it was a great just stepped right up. The client loved it. And, and, and the cool part was I looked like a hero for, for not even speaking, but for recommending a great speaker. Tom uh, did a fantastic job. And you know it's those kinds of relationships that to me sustain a business. But I, I truly say to people, if I didn't have those kind of networking opportunities or I didn't make them happen, either my business would be a, a third or a half of what it is now, or it would never have actually gotten off the ground. Well, Steve, you bring up a really interesting side of sideline point there, and thanks for, for the compliment about me jumping in. But your wife had a pretty scary thing happen, and you had to cancel you know, your, your speaking gigs. And for those who are with associations who are having events, you know, yeah. you're, you're inside of a couple of weeks out. Guess what? They're expecting someone to show up and give that you know, hour or 90-minute keynote, and we all know that the speaker sets the tone for the whole event. And yet, because you had this network, you were able to get me and other people to fill yeah. in where you couldn't reschedule. And that's where I think people sort of overlook this whole idea of networking, especially when they're a solopreneur. I talk to people all the time about getting involved in their trade association, and they go, oh, I don't want to go where my competitors are. I only want to go where people I can sell to are. And I think, God, first of all, that's kind of <laughs> yucky, that everywhere yeah. you go, you want to imagine that somebody has a pork chop hanging around their neck and you're a wolf <laughs> who hasn't eaten for a, a month going and jumping on them. I want to sell to everybody I meet. But the second thing is, is getting involved with your peers. It's not that, oh, I'm hanging out with competitors and, and that sucks or they'll steal my business. I can't tell you how many people I know who are in jobs like we're in who have found when they've had a medical scare or when you're a professional speaker, you're usually flying in less than 24 hours before an event. And guess what? The airlines aren't reliable and weather is unpredictable. I can't yep. tell you how many people I know have picked up the phone and either called somebody they knew directly or called the headquarters of the National Speakers Association and said, who lives in Utah? And right. found a list of names so that they can be the hero for their client. And yet right. I know so many other people this has happened to have called the client and said, I'm stuck in Atlanta too bad. And the client freaks out. So yeah. 
I think that being involved, not just as a speaker, but no matter what you do, being involved with peers who are willing to say, okay, I'll go. And in the several cases, it's less than my normal fee. I've done this for a couple of people and yeah. it's not what I would normally charge, but it's like, of course I will go and fill in for you because you're stuck in an airport or your wife is sick. And yet people don't think that way and they think, oh, competitors are bad. No, they're not competitors. They're your peers and peers are great. Oh, I, I mean, that you said it eloquently. I couldn't improve on that, but I just, I so agree with that. And it's amazing. So even, yeah, here you are. It, let's say you you take a little bit less than your normal fee. It's also kind of a nice thing where you get a phone call. Hey, I wasn't working tomorrow. And someone's going to give you X amount of money to do something. And you can help somebody out and look like a hero to the client. You know, it just, it's, it's a win-win-win all the way around. Well, and, I mean, you, I mean, you hit on it right there, is that I'd rather be speaking than not speaking. Yeah. So if I'm not working this week and somebody needs somebody with a last-minute fill-in because they're sick, boom, I'm happy to do it. And I've just saved someone else's bacon. So that's, that's fantastic. So, you know, we, I started the thing by saying we accidentally discovered we were fraternity brothers. I had a situation a couple of years ago where one of my fraternity brothers from the Beta House at San Diego State University was actually in my audience. Now, he wasn't somebody who was a great friend of mine. He was a little bit older. We hadn't really kept in touch. But when he saw on the program who the speaker was, he knew right away that it was me. And so he hid from me before the show. He didn't want me, any, me to know he was there. And right. then he watched my presentation. And during the presentation, he was texting all of our mutual friends. And he was saying, guess I showed up at this conference and I didn't know it, but guess who the keynote speaker is? And they were having this whole conversation sort of by text while I was on stage. And the fascinating thing was afterwards when we talked, he handed me his phone and one of our friends had said, is he any good? To which this person had replied, first of all, he said, yes, he's very good. But second of all, he said, he's taken what he did when he was social chairman and rush chairman of the fraternity and turned it into an entire business. And, and he was making a joke. But the more I thought about it, I thought, yeah, that's kind of what I did when I was social chairman and rush chairman was I got people out of you know, their comfort zone. I told people, don't clump together when we're having a, an event. You know, talk to the guests who are here. Talk to the rushies who come in. And I've turned that into a business context. And I tell this story because I kind of have a question for you. Did you learn anything from maybe your fraternity, other clubs you participated in in high school, maybe sports? Did you learn anything in those young days that you use in your business today? Yeah, I guess I would definitely have to say in in the fraternity thing, because I was also social chairman and I had no idea at the time some of the skills and some of the things I had to do in terms of talking up an event or getting some guys to step up and do something they wouldn't have done otherwise. Or even heck, even having to pick up the phone and having to make a, a call to we need a, a bunch of you know glasses made for this particular formal we're doing. I, I'd never done that kind of stuff before. And the more I, I kind of did it, I also realized, you know what, the right attitude and you help people out and you kind of push them along. I rarely had a complaint after the fact, you know, and so I realized not just doing it for other people, but doing it for myself. Those kinds of things really did come back to help me out of my business today because that's, that's a lot of stuff that I do right now. Well, and I think we do learn, and it's not just you know in, in social clubs, but in sports and in, in running for office and in school and things like that. I think we do learn things that we're able to translate farther. And the, what made me think of that was I interviewed somebody a while back, and their comment was that in their fraternity, they had been housing chairman, and they had a $3 million budget that they managed when they were 19 years old. And wow. they said, where else does a 19-year-old – I mean, they had advisors who helped, but they said, right. where else does a 19-year-old manage a multi-million dollar because they had a, a meal plan? 
man and they had employees who kept the place clean and gardeners and they had, you know, a $3 million budget that, that he managed as a 19 or 20 year old. And he said, you know, that has helped him run his business. That's cool. So, Steve, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. So why don't you tell everybody what the coolest thing you're doing in your business is? It's something I'm doing right now, but actually started a couple of years ago. And basically it was this. As I found myself working a lot with particularly lawyers, that they get maligned. You know, people, lawyer, every time I say I work with lawyers, I'm going to speak at a law firm or a law school. I get, oh, the jokes or, you know, bottom feeders, all that kind of stuff. And I realized, you know what? They, they need some love. And so basically I invented a holiday, which is International Be Kind to Lawyers Day. And it's the second Tuesday in April. It's firmly between April Fool's Day and Tax Day here in the States. And essentially, it's I think of it as Lawyer Appreciation Day but with a more fun name. And, and all I say to people is if you have something like that in your business or you want to create some, some PR, create some just some traffic, get a little bit of buzz out of nothing because there's really nothing new about being a lawyer. I mean, law changes all the time. There's not, it's not like it's the hot new app or some cool, crazy Google extension or something. It's just lawyers have been around forever. But I, I basically thought this up. I, I put together a website. I created some events. I got it basically deputized through this, this company or this organization called Chase's you know, calendar of events. You can, you can Google that and, and find out how to do it. And, and the cool part about it, Tom, is I was able to get some amazing PR out of it. In fact, I was on BBC World Service, which they have an annu- or a, a weekly listenership of 308 million. Now, they weren't all listening to me at one time, but, but BBC did a, did a segment on goofy or odd holidays around the world. And they found mine and found me and put me on. And it was amazing. Got some, some terrific hits. But the bigger thing is it got me into all sorts of state bar associations, other law firms I wouldn't be able to get into. And just it's been kind of a fun little thing that I've done that's led to over six figures in business because I can directly trace to the people who saw me through it. So, so, so what's it called again? <laughs> it's International Be Kind to Lawyers Day. And it's going to be April what this year? It's not, you're going to ask, I can't believe it. It's the second Tuesday in April. So I uh, top of my head, I should know that, but I don't. It's um, <laughs> sort of between the first and the 15th. So, um, but, but if people want it, here's the thing, this, this group called Chase's Calendar of Events, and it, I think it's called like Chase's Events or something online, you know, and they will not invent a holiday out of nowhere, but they will recognize a holiday. So if you want to create the holiday, whether, you know, Festivus or whatever the thing you want to create, and, and you'll get a website and, you know, have some, some, some teeth to it, then they will actually recognize it. And I've been listed all over the place and get, you know, tens of thousands of hits every April on, on the website, which is basically BeKindToLawyers.com. So that is so, so uh, cool. And it's going to be April 12th this thank year. Thank you very much, sir. No, I should know that, that, but I don't. That's okay. And I don't know if you know, but I just released The ABCs of Legal Marketing, which is a book that I worked on with a, a buddy of mine who is the CMO of a large law firm. And yeah. we, we just finally released it after about a year and a half of getting this book done. So you and I need to talk offline and see if we can partner together and okay. if I can promote my book around your holiday, because that is a kick-ass idea. Oh, it's fun. And then what I say to people is have a little fun with it. Like, in other words, had I named it Lawyer Appreciation Day, it still might have been kind of funny. But nah, be kind to lawyer day exactly. is great. Yeah, that that's what does it. So I say to people, whatever your holiday is, basically I took a negative of of how people perceive lawyers and I spun it around and made it into a kind of a cool thing. And anyway, so I I think it's just a 
a really a fun idea anybody can do. It, again, it, it, you, for the cost of a website and you know, uh, hosting, et cetera, it's not that much, and it's just been kind of a cool thing. Well, I used to work in a law firm. I was the marketing director for four years for actually in two different firms. And I will tell you that uh, I will reach out to all of my former bosses and associates who I worked with and uh, be kind to them on April 12th this nice. year. I always say to people, be careful, you know, take your lawyer, your favorite lawyer out to lunch, but make sure you're not on the clock. <laughs> hey, so Steve, so. I love to ask the people who come on this show what other entrepreneurs they see doing cool things, because we could talk about Steve Hughes all day long and all the cool things that you do. And we do. should, no. No, and, uh, we, and we should. But who do you see out there where you think, wow, they're killing it? Yeah, there's a couple of people come to mind, Tom. One of them is, and I'm sure you know him, Scott Ginsburg, the name tag guy. I don't know if he's ever been on the show or not, but basically is a friend of mine who's basically worn a name tag for the uh, every day of his life for the past 15 years. And it's, it's, he's been on 2020, and he's written the Cosmo relationship quiz in the back of Cosmo magazine. He's done some amazing stuff. But what I love what he does is he is a prolific writer and, and creator of, of just content. I mean, every day, I mean, he doesn't miss a day. He blogs every day, and it's cool stuff. And what's neat about his approach is he's always just – just feeding your brain with 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 really thought provoking ideas, and he gets just ridiculous traffic, and that's been his key, you know, creator funnel of of new business. In fact, people come after him versus him having to go after people, which is a you know who doesn't want that, right? <laughs> but but his his writing and his prolific style is just just who he is. He loves to write; that's his his favorite thing, and from that has led to you know all sorts of great opportunities. That's great. I actually know Scott and I need to have him on this show. I interviewed him for something I did kind of a different format like five years ago. And uh, he is actually a great interview too. So I've got to reach out to him. So thanks for, thanks for reminding us all about Scott Ginsburg. The other other question. Oh, go ahead. The the guy who's great is, is a guy named Andy Masters, who I think has the coolest speaker name ever. He, and, and, you know, you may recall, he also got a CSP the, the same year we did for speaking. And basically, he's all about leadership, and he has a really cool program now on leadership lessons from Hollywood where he shows video clips from Hollywood movies people have seen and then weaves that into uh, like modern, cutting-edge leadership principles, and it's just a great program. But one of the things I love about what he does, it's almost – it may not be the most sexy thing in the world, but he is the machine of, of online marketing in terms of he'll join an organization. He'll find out how to get their – all their you know contact information he'll he'll set up these just automatic just these emails go out on just just wave after wave and he hits people he knows at what time of the day on a tuesday at 8:35 on the east coast and i mean whatever these things he sends out and just it's just consistent that he he does it he puts his head down he makes it happen and he you know a different approach than scott I just love that he's so creative in how he goes after people in terms of finding who they are, who needs what he has. He has these ridiculous databases and just goes after it. You know, it's, again, it's almost like one on one hundred one marketing, but how few entrepreneurs really do that and do that well. Well, and he is such a nice guy. I had the opportunity to see him speak while he was in Austin about two months ago, and we sat down and had a cup of coffee afterwards. And just a really nice human being too. Yeah, he's a great guy. So the other question I love to ask everybody, because I think in addition to being great observers and seeing great entrepreneurs like Scott and Andy and so many others, I think that great entrepreneurs want to do more than just make money. I think they want to leave their mark. So I love to ask people who come on the show, what do you do to give back to the greater good? I do about 
five to six events a year where I just, I, for nonprofits, I, I just won't charge or I'll charge wh- you know, way, way less than what I would charge a, a regular company. The other thing, do, too, is like I, I ran to another person just this week who's starting a nonprofit, does not have communication skill, background, et cetera. So I'm going to sit down with her and help her come up with her, basically I call it 5, 5, 15. What's her five-second overview? What's her five-minute? What's her 15-minute? Like if someone says, hey, speak in front of our group for 15 minutes, how do you concisely and win in a very winsome way with, with emotion and the facts kind of tell her story about her nonprofit? So I, I, I find myself – you know, doing that kind of stuff. And then I also like to, you know, I do a lot of stuff at our church and I also do some stuff like I'll, I'll MC, I'm sure you do too. I'll MC a trivia night here and there. I'll MC, uh, you know, local, uh, you know, some other charity event just for, um, I, I like to do it. So, right. um, and it's such a great example because so many of us have skills that nonprofits need, whether, you know, if you're an accountant, they need somebody to look over their books. If you're a speaker, they need someone to speak at their events. You know, if you're a painter, they need someone to come and paint their office. There's so many times that we can give our time to so many groups. And and I applaud you for doing it because so many people overlook it that they can take their skills and really have an impact on charities. I tell you, one of my favorite things in the world, my wife will can you know, will agree is that I'd love to MC a, a trivia night. You know, honestly, I prefer when someone else writes the questions, but I've done it both ways. But just the interaction with the people and a chance to have fun and, you know, you're, you're doing it for a good cause. I just, I love doing that kind of stuff. But you're right, it's easy to overlook and you're so focused on what you're doing. And then, um, you know, I learned that actually from Carol Weisman, another woman here in, a, a woman in St. Louis who actually speaks to nonprofits. And she has, I think she has like 10 or 12 a year, which is, I will speak and do a full weekend like retreat just for just for twelve people, you know, every so often. And um, and I thought if she she can do it, um, I can do it as well. So, Steve, I really want to thank you for being here on the show and sharing your journey with us. If somebody's listening and they think I I got to know more about Steve Hughes, how do they find you? They find me at hityourstride.com, hityourstride.com. And here we are in February. I'm about to launch my new website. So if people by all means head out there now, but if you come in about two and a half to three weeks, we'll have a brand new website out there. I'm very excited about that. Well, for those who listen to the show, you know that when he says two to three weeks, he means five to six because I was launching a new website for as long as I can remember. But mine's finally up. Woo-hoo! So I That's kept, awesome. For weeks, I kept telling everybody on the show because along with my new website, I have the new group coaching program that has been funneled out of this podcast. And people said, you know, let's put a community together. But I had to have a way to talk about it and to let people sign up and to charge people to be part of it. And the old website didn't have that capability. And so it was all part of the redesign. And I kept telling people on the show, this week, by the time you hear this episode, the new website will be up. And for like four uh. weeks, it was like people were emailing me going, I want to sign up for for the cool things project i'm like yeah there's no website so but right so yeah that's very true and that's something i'd say entrepreneurs i'm a cup half full guy and and uh you're probably, probably five or six weeks is more realistic <laughs> but but for everybody who's been listening to this show if you skip some episodes the new website is up and you can find the cool things project by going to tomsinger.com hitting the about button and there's a whole button you can push that says group coaching Pro- project and it'll take you to everything you need to know so uh but i just laughed when you said oh yeah two more weeks i thought mm-hmm been there. Right. It's, yeah, you know better. Been there. It's not going to be two weeks. But hey, Steve, I want to thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for jumping in and being a guest here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And thank you to the audience for listening and sharing this conversation with Steve and myself. For all of you who are listening, 
I'm going to be back in a couple days with another interview with somebody just as cool as Steve Hughes. But in the meantime, go on out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.